Do you love your family? Of course you do. You love yours just like I love mine. You love your kids the same way that I love my kids. Even when they're doing something they probably shouldn't be doing, you love them anyway, and you correct them with love, et cetera, et cetera. So Christmas is coming up, and what better present to get your kids than a week in Phoenix, leave the cold weather, come down to Phoenix, early Christmas present, America Fest, December 18th to the 21st tickets. We're actually selling them a lot faster than we have for previous events. This is, these are things going absolutely fast. It's the 18th to the 21st. It's in December, Phoenix, Arizona, all of the hottest conservative stars, myself, Tucker, Charlie, Candace, Kaylee, et cetera, et cetera. We've got Don Jr., of course, coming for one of the keynotes. A number of senators and congressmen are going to be there. And the biggest names in country music, Brantley Gilbert, Russell Dickerson, Lee Greenwood, Adam Doliak, and even DJ Silver. So go to turningpointusa.com backslash AmericaFest. Use promo code POSO in all caps, P-O-S-O, when ordering your tickets for up to 25% off. Turningpointusa.com, AmericaFest, promo code POSO. See you there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily. Massive, absolutely massive show today, powered by Turning Point USA. First up, we're going to talk about how James O'Keefe, the founder of Project Veritas, was just raided by the FBI under the SDNY Southern District of New York. We'll talk about all of it. Second up, President Biden's approval rating is plummeting, sinking like the Titanic as he orders new nationwide vaccine mandates. Third, new information on George Floyd's nephew threatening a judge and then also threatening jurors in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. And finally, Antifa is attacking vaccine protesters up in Boston. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. In a pre-dawn raid in Westchester County, New York, just outside of New York City, agents of the SDNY, the hyper-partisan Southern District of New York, raided James O'Keefe's home. Why did they raid his home? We're told it had to do with this situation regarding the Ashley Biden diary. But wait, 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 you ask. Why was James O'Keefe raided over the Ashley Biden diary when James O'Keefe never reported on the Ashley Biden diary, never leaks the Ashley Biden diary, never even had anything directly to do with the Ashley Biden diary, or at least publicly speaking, had anything to do. Here's what was going on behind the scenes in James's video explaining it. Project Veritas received a copy, right? It was something that was submitted to them. They received a copy of Ashley Biden's diary, a couple of pages from it. However, they were not able to verify the diary. And so they decided not to release it. Later, certain pages of it were leaked on another website. And now the investigation is coming full circle. Listen to James talk about this in his own words. By making this statement, I am putting myself at great risk because on November 4th, Project Veritas came under attack. I woke to the news that apartments and homes of Project Veritas journalists or former journalists had been raided by FBI agents. It appears the Southern District of New York now has journalists in their sights for the supposed crime of doing their jobs lawfully and honestly, or at least this journalist. I had to think long and hard before making this statement. It's a decision that 
only I can make. They don't want me to defend myself and immediately tried to silence me. That's why the cover letter to the grand jury subpoena we received contains this language. Quote, the government hereby requests that you voluntarily refrain from disclosing the existence of the subpoena to any third party. While you are under no obligation to comply with our request, we are requesting you not to make any disclosure in order to preserve the confidentiality of the investigation and because the disclosure of the existence of this investigation might interfere with and impede the investigation." Unquote. But while the Department of Justice requested us to not disclose the existence of the subpoena, something very unusual happened. Within an hour of one of our reporters' homes being secretly raided by the FBI, the New York Times, who we are currently suing for defamation, contacted the Project Veritas reporter to ask for comment. We do not know how the New York Times was aware of the execution of a search warrant at our reporter's home or the subject matter of the search warrant as a grand jury investigation is secret. The FBI took materials of current former Project Veritas journalists despite the fact that our legal team previously contacted the Department of Justice and voluntarily conveyed unassailable facts that demonstrate Project Veritas's lack of involvement in criminal activity and or criminal intent. Like any reporter, we regularly deal with the receipt of source information and take steps to verify its authenticity. They are criminalizing journalism. That's exactly what's going on here. When the Washington Post or the New York Times or any of the other regime-approved apparatchiks report classified information or specialized information, it's perfectly fine. It's considered part of the game. However, when James O'Keefe, Julian Assange, or Human Events Daily releases something, all of a sudden we are considered enemies of the state. Understand that we are living through an era of regime politics. I spoke about this last week. We're gonna speak about it again today. If you understand that we are living through an era of regime politics, then all of this begins to make sense. But Jonathan Turley has five questions for us. So the excellent legal scholar, Jonathan Turley, we went to his blog and he had these five questions for the situation. Number one, what was the context for the diary loss? Did Ashley Biden leave the diary or was it stolen? Number two, what is the alleged federal crime and what is the precedent for a major federal investigation over such an alleged theft? Obviously it's not classified information. Three, what precautions were taken by the Biden administration in light of the claimed media status of the targeted individuals. Obviously, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas are journalists. Number four, why was there a delay in this action taken if the alleged theft occurred over a year ago? And five, has this matter been under, under investigation for a year and did the White House request intervention of the FBI? What is Joe Biden doing? You got the daughter's diary, but more importantly, you've got Hunter Biden's laptop out there in the public domain. People deserve to know what is going on. A gloomy landscape for in midterms as President Biden's approval drops to 38% in the latest USA Today Suffolk poll. Listen to Chuck Todd absolutely melting down on NBC about this. Take a listen. If you look at it from coast to coast, it was a warning to Democrats that their congressional majorities are in grave danger. Terry McAuliffe, running for his old job in as governor in Virginia, fell a net 12 and a half points off of Mr. Biden's 2020 victory in that state. Even in victory, Governor Phil Murphy's net loss in New Jersey compared to what Biden got in 2020 was roughly 13 points. Kind of familiar. So what happened? 
Was the standoff between progressives and moderates partly to blame? Probably. Did President Biden misread his mandate? Many Democrats think he did. Was the public's sense that the country was on the wrong track of factor? Clearly. So listen to some of the internals coming out of this USA Today poll. Nearly half of those surveyed, 46%, say Biden has done a worse job as president than they expected, including 16% of those who voted for him. Independence by 7 to 1. 44% to 6%, 7 to 1. Independents say he's done worse, not better than they expected. Nearly two-thirds of Americans, I, I think I need to say this again, two-thirds of Americans, 64%, say they don't want Biden to run for a second term in 2024. That includes 28% of his own party. Opposition to Trump running for another term stands at 58%, including 24% of Republicans. According to this poll, Vice President Kamala Harris's approval rating 28%, even worse than Biden's. That poll shows 51% disapprove of the job she's doing. One in five are undecided. Americans support the infrastructure bill, but they are split on more expensive and further reaching Build Back Better Act hotly debated in Congress. Only one in four say the bill's provisions would help them and their families. So what's going on here? Why is it that Joe Biden is so down in these polls, and yet at the same time, they say they support the infrastructure bill? Well, I've got a little idea. Let's play the next tape. I'm quite confident that when this finally gets fully adjudicated, not just a temporary order, right. uh, the, the validity of this requirement will be upheld. It's common right. sense, Chuck. If OSHA can tell people to wear a hard, hard hat on the job, right. to be, be careful on chemicals, it can put, put in place these simple measures to keep our workers safe. And Dr. Murthy, if the law survives legal challenges, will the administration be extending the mandate to smaller employers with fewer than 100 employers employees? Well, Martha, certainly nothing is off the table at this moment, but the focus right now is on implementing uh, the current rule that OSHA put out. The vaccine mandates are exactly what they look like. And by the way, we're hearing that Pfizer and Moderna have antivirals that are coming out that also reduce the load of hospitalizations, reduce viral load, and seem to be doing very well in terms of therapeutics for people with COVID. So the issue then becomes, why exactly is it that the federal government is reaching down and demanding that people change their behavior, demand that they be injected with the vaccine that clearly there is a segment of the population that is not interested in. And then also writ large, you've got people out there that don't like when the federal government is demanding something that really seems to be a very personal decision between someone and their doctors. You know, it's interesting. It's actually amazing to me looking at this from the outside, because I say, you know, in the pro-life, pro-choice debate, the left will always say, they will always say, this is about a personal choice between the doctor and the person. But I was in a debate last week on stage at Better Discourse, and the guy, he, he was calling us uh, bioterrorists. If you're anyone a bioterrorist, if you didn't submit to the vaccine, he said, you're a bioterrorist. To which, of course, we responded, we said, look, if we were in a situation where COVID-19 was as fatal as some of the other things out there that we've eradicated, like smallpox, which had a 30% fatality rate, which by the way, the other vaccinations are against diseases that are actually are fatal for 
children, then of course, we'd be right there with you. I'd be with, there with you. I really would be there with you on, um, on supporting and endorsing a lot of these things. But that just isn't the case. You actually have to follow the science on all of this. You have to follow the science. No, we're not bioterrorists. No, we're not people that you can scapegoat and demand as a scapegoat for all the ills of the Joe Biden administration. No, no, no. That's what's going on. And I think that a lot of people in this country can see it from NBA players to CEOs to Aaron Rodgers. People can see the disgusting and ridiculous scapegoating and persecution of a group of people that is smaller than the majority, that is smaller than the majority, but they have rights as much as anyone else. And that's ultimately what this all comes down to. The American people support something called human rights, the rights of the individual. That obviously doesn't mean that there aren't other duties that you have to the community. But when you're looking at a situation like this, it just doesn't make sense. You're going way too far. You're going overboard. And that is why your poll numbers are sinking faster than the Titanic. Well, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is going so poorly for the prosecution that, of course, what happens next the doxing threats against the jury have begun. Jury intimidation has reared its ugly and disgusting head here in this case in Kenosha. And it's very interesting to me that who was it? Who was it that actually threatened this jury? The first person to threaten this jury actually is a guy by the name of Cortez Rice. Cortez Rice has previously claimed to be the nephew of George Floyd. Not only did Mr. Cortez, Mr. Rice, spend time uh, threatening to dox Kyle Rittenhouse's jurors, but also he spent the weekend trying to track down the private home of a judge inside an apartment building to threaten them regarding another case in Minneapolis regarding Dante Wright, the shooting of Dante Wright. Watch this completely unhinged rant from Rice. Tied on our heels. What she think is sweet. We want cameras in the courtroom. The people deserve to know what's going on. <clears throat> I'm just doing this right quick. Why she think it's sweet, right? She think it's sweet, sweet. She think it's sweet, sweet. I don't know if this is her crib. I think this is her crib right here. This, this is, we got confirmation that this is her house right here. <clears throat> Waiting for the gang to get up here. Predominantly white neighborhood. Peace and love, all power to the people. I ain't even gonna name the people that I know that's up in the, in the Kenosha, I mean, in the Kenosha trial. But there's cameras in there. Yep. It's definitely cameras up in there and there's definitely right. people taking pictures of the juries and everything like that. We know what's going on. 
So we need the same results, man. We need the same results. Justice for Dante Wright. Justice for all. So this guy needs to be arrested. And I mean arrested like yesterday. This is just clear jury intimidation, judicial intimidation. Just just arrest him. Get him off the street. This just just arrest. Simple as that. Straight to jail. Just just lock him up. Now, that's number one. Number two, let me explain a little something, give you guys a little context. I've been inside courtrooms before. No, not as a defendant, but I've been inside courtrooms as a reporter when I was with One American News previously. I reported on a lot of different trials. And let me tell you something. In federal court, which is where I had most of my experience um, covering these cases, you are checked. You are checked even before you go in. They say, show me your cell phone, and they make you turn it off to make you power it off, and then they watch you like a hawk. If they see anybody messing around on their phones while sitting on one of those benches inside the gallery there in the courtroom, you are out. That bailiff will eject you immediately. So this is not necessarily something that could easily happen. That being said, that being said, it's more important than that because we're talking about the threat of the jury's not sequestered, right? The jury's not sequestered. And it was the exact same context for the Derek Chauvin trial, the exact same context. Look, I covered that trial inside and out. The evidence was clear that there was no intent to murder, but the question was vague regarding manslaughter. I get that. That being said, that jury was threatened again and again. And we also exposed the fact that there were pro-George Floyd activists on the Derek Chauvin jury. Next, we now know that the types of threats that we're hearing are the same type of stochastic terrorism, focusing on these jurors, focusing on their families, saying, uh, you know, it doesn't even need to be in the courtroom, right? You could have somebody across the street watching as they come out of the parking lot, following people home. That's the type of threat you have in this country, from the BLM rioters to Antifa to these absolute thugs that will go after you at your home. Do you think people want that for their families, for their children, for their loved ones? That is where the law enforcement and really the governance in this country has completely fallen prey to anarcho-tyranny. From the post-millennial, our friends over there, clashes between protesters and Antifa broke out at Boston Common on Sunday as protesters gathered for a rally against COVID-19 vaccine mandates and mask mandates. The protesters and Antifa were separated by police and riot gear and fencing temporarily placed for the event, and the streets surrounding Boston Common were closed down in anticipation of the event. However, the two groups clashed on at least one occasion with Antifa members appearing to overpower police as they broke through the fence line. Let's play the video.
Antifa held up banners featuring the faces of Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong, and other communist leaders of the 20th century, as well as screaming, death to fascism. So what's going on here? I've explained this before. Antifa claims to be anti-fascist. They also claim to be anarcho-communist, but what are they really? Antifa are the shock troops of the Great Reset, the shock troops of the ruling class, the shock troops of the regime. They know they are the useful, the regime knows they are the useful idiots in the streets who will do their bidding no matter what. Does it really seem like something that would be pro-freedom to you to be protesting against, right, attacking people that are protesting a vaccine mandate, a government edict from on high forcing people into a medical apartheid state? Doesn't it seem like that would be the more pro-freedom, pro-liberty situation, right? That's not Antifa's role, and it never has been. Antifa's role is to destabilize the country and to work as a low-level street thug force to destabilize and attack any populist movement, whether left or right, to come up that comes up against the interests of the regime. This is why you see Antifa on the same side as Citibank, as Bank of America, as Pfizer, as Moderna, as everybody else. Why exactly would Antifa be on the same side as them, you ask? And it's quite simple. After 2011, after Occupy Wall Street, Antifa became occupied themselves, their entire reason for being subverted, and then they were essentially co-opted. They were completely co-opted and infiltrated along these racial justice, cultural justice, neo-Marxist lines with critical race theory, wokeness, et cetera, et cetera, on top, because they know that that gins them up and then uses them to target and attack anyone who actually stands against the agenda of Davos, the agenda of the Great Reset, the pro-CCP agenda. This is what they are against. All right, that's all the time we have here on Human Events Daily. So make sure if you want to continue to support us, continue to support the podcast, share this out with your normie friends, go to MyPillow.com, utilize promo code POSO, get your orders in now because Christmas is a coming. So make sure you're using promo code POSO, get your orders in now. And share this out with your normie friends. Be the influence agent. Remember our motto to you, be good, be brief, be gone. But before we go, it's time for today's moment of history. Today, November the 8th, 1644, saw the enthroning of the first emperor of the Qing dynasty across all of China. This was the final imperial dynasty that ruled for nearly 300 years. It was a Manchurian dynasty that eventually Han Chinese rose up against and overthrew. And it just goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, that no regime lasts forever. Ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission to lay ashore.